Hi, this is The Gathering Church in Windsor, Ontario, and I'm Pastor Garth Lino. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you, thank you. Wow. I, I could have sat for another, or stood for another half hour of worship this morning. Yeah. So good. So good. Tears flowing this morning. Tears of joy. Tears of hope. Tears of surrender. Yeah, you can't sing songs like that and not feel it. Good morning to all of you once again. Thanks for coming to the gathering, for worshiping with us today, for being part of our community of faith. Um, So good to have you all here. Many of you know that our church... uh, actually got started as a Saturday night Bible study in the fall of 2013. We met for nine months on a Saturday night. And all we, all we could offer was simple worship, passionate prayer, and teaching straight out of the Word of God. And every week, more and more people came. Eventually, we were convinced that God wanted to do something more, that He wanted us to uh, plant a new church in Windsor that would be somewhat different than some of the other churches in the city. And so in May 2014, we moved the gathering from a very casual Saturday night Bible study to a simple Sunday morning worship event. Many of you were there in those days. In order to register a charity, we found out very quickly, in order to register a charity and start a church, we had to write a a simple church constitution and lay out our purpose, state our purpose in our ministry, and also the organizational structure that we would follow as a church family. And so, instead of borrowing ideas or structure from a denominational manual somewhere, or going to the Christian bookstore and buying the latest book on how to plant a church and write a constitution, we decided we'd go back to the pages of the New Testament. Just, just open the Bible and start to scour the pages of the New Testament to find out what God wanted us to do in terms of forming a church. And the very first thing the Holy Spirit did to us, or in us, or for us, was to remind us in no uncertain terms that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He's the boss. He always was, He always will be. And that's what we talked about last week in this series called, Who's the Boss? Obviously, Jesus. And in our study of church structure in those early days of 2013-14, and our study of church structure, and our study of of spiritual authority in the local church, we realized afresh just how important the, the elders and the deacons were in the formation of the early church. For example, in Acts chapter 14, you see Paul and Barnabas in the city of Derbe. And Acts 14 says, when they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples... They returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith. 
Sounds like a dynamic, powerful ministry. And you'd think that would be enough, right? I mean, effective, fruitful evangelism, deep, life-changing discipleship, passionate, strengthening, encouraging of the believers. That's what was happening in every city where they had planted a church. They were revisiting those churches and strengthening the believers. But still, they added another layer. They appointed elders in every church. Have a look at Acts 14.23, where it says, When they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So churches had been planted all over the place. And I just gave you the names of some of those centers. So churches were being planted all over the place, but now they were going back to those, to those young churches, and they were appointing elders to every church. Well, who are these elders? Who are these people? Well, the New Testament makes it clear to us that they were men who had been tested and found worthy to serve in this capacity. If you flip over to 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, that passage there makes it very clear what an elder must be. According to 1 Timothy 3 and verse 2, uh, an elder must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, Sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for, the, for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. So this is the kind of character that God is expecting or demanding in the lives of the elders who will shepherd the church effectively. These people, these elders, are not going to shepherd the church effectively if they don't have this kind of character built into their lives. And that's uh, by grace through the Holy Spirit. And so I use the word shepherd here on purpose and very uh, purposefully. Uh, we're, calling, we're talking about these elders shepherding God's flock because that's the language that 1 Peter chapter 5 uses. When, when Peter talks about elders and exhorts the elders, this is what he says in 1 Peter 5 verses 1 to 3. He said, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed. I exhort you to shepherd the flock of God that is among you exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Powerful passage. And anybody who ever thinks about serving as an elder goes, oh my goodness, that's a heavy charge. That's a... That's a a tremendous weight or responsibility, and it is. Peter exhorts the elders to shepherd the flock. To shepherd the flock. 
And they, they do that together. Not one elder shepherding the flock and one elder doing something else, but the, the elders that are, have been appointed to these early churches, they were to shepherd the flock of God together, working together to do that. And in December, just a Five or six weeks ago, our church appointed three men to serve as elders in our church. Jamie Legault, Ron Reynolds, and Dan Shuttleworth have now teamed up with uh, Phil and myself. And and we're a happy group. Uh, We get together and uh, pray together and drink coffee and pray together and then drink some more coffee. Uh, But we are the elders' council and we're serving our church together. We're just getting started. We just really had... Uh, I've only had one or two meetings together uh, officially as an elders council, but we're looking forward to the future. And we want the elders of our church to follow a biblical model of leadership, uh, not some man-made policies or procedures. We, we We want the job description for elders to rise right out of the pages of the New Testament. Wouldn't that be a novel thing? And, sorry, um... That's kind of how I feel, though. There, there aren't many places where that, that is a reality. Uh, and in this particular text in 1 Peter 5, he gives a beautiful and powerful word picture of elders in a local church. They shepherd the flock of God. They show the way. They pilot a course of action. I'm going back many years, but Patty and I had the privilege of being in in Israel and Jordan years ago. I spoke at a conference there. And we're driving along the road and watched a shepherd in the field with his sheep. And it was pretty cool because he was out in front leading them. And our guide said, "You you always know a shepherd when you see one. Shepherds lead the sheep. Butchers drive them. Something to think about. So, he's using this terminology of shepherding. So, we should view the elders in our church as shepherds of the flock, pastors of the flock, not as chief executive officers of some business. They are not corporate executives. They are not board elders. Board elders come once a month, make all these high and lofty decisions and have nothing else to do for the rest of the month. They just come once a month, make decisions, and then do whatever they do. The elders are not consultants. You know, for the staff or the pastors to say, what do you think? They're not consultants. They are shepherds. They're shepherds of the flock. That's what, el- that's what elders do. They shepherd. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Peter uses very specific language here. This is inspired by God's Spirit. And yet I, I read on blogs and I read in, in, in some of the newest books on, on church leadership and how spiritual leaders ought to lead. And, you know, forget about the shepherding mentality because that's, that's New Testamentish and we, we, you know, we, we've risen above that. Really? We've risen above the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? We've risen above the direction of God in the New Testament to organize our church in some other way? Mm -mm, Not here. Not at the gathering. 
He wants the elders of the local church to tend to the people like a shepherd tends to a sheep. Say, well, what does a shepherd do? You know, I I don't have much exposure to shepherds. There's none that I know of that are living in South Windsor. How do we understand this idea of shepherding in our 21st century, sophisticated, non-rural, non-agrarian society in which we live? Well, for one thing, shepherds feed the flock. The scripture lays it out for us. The The scripture tells us what shepherds do. Shepherds feed the flock. They have to make sure that the sheep have enough food to eat, right? The shepherd leads the sheep to green pasture where they can find nourishment. He leads them beside quiet waters where they can rest and refresh themselves. And that's what shepherd elders do. They feed the flock. Primarily, they feed the flock through the Word of God. That's the means by which we feed the flock. And, and the New Testament says that all of the elders in a local church are required to be, to, to be able to teach 1 Timothy 3.2 because teaching the Word of God is how we feed the flock. 1 Timothy 3.2 Therefore an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, and there it is, able to teach. So with all these uh, essential character qualities, he, he adds a skill. And this is the only office in the church where that requirement exists. Elders have to be able to teach. By the way, the word overseer, you see the word overseer in the ESV. Some translations have elder. So these words are actually used interchangeably. The words, or the English words for overseer, elder, bishop, and pastor are used somewhat interchangeably in the New Testament. So uh, the New Testament at least sees these, these uh, people that are doing these things to be one and the same. So elders are... Pastors, pastors are elders, bishops are overseers, overseers are pastors uh, who are elders. They're used interchangeably. And in 1 Timothy 3, after listing some, some of these essential qualities, we just read them, Paul says an elder must be able to teach. And then you go over to 1 Timothy 5, where Paul writes about uh, the elders who labor at preaching and teaching, and this is what he says in verse 17 and 18. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. So elders teach the word. Not every elder will teach or preach uh, in front of a large audience or on stage or preach a sermon, uh, but they must have an aptitude for teaching. Some are given wages for preaching and teaching, as is obvious in the text, and others may not. Some elders are better at ruling, leading, while others excel at preaching and teaching. But all of them must be able to give instruction in sound doctrine. All of the elders need to know the Word of God well enough to teach and, 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 and express sound doctrine in some way, shape, or form, and in some venue. Sometimes that happens in a Sunday school class. Sometimes it happens in, in a a service like this, sometimes in a small group, sometimes one-on-one discipling. But they have to be able to teach sound doctrine. Shepherd elders feed the flock with the Word of God. That's what they do. Furthermore, shepherds lead the flock. And here again we turn 
to this verse that we've used already, 1 Timothy 5.17. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor. So in biblical language, to, to shepherd a nation or any group of people means to lead them or govern them. And 1 Timothy 5 adds this new word, rule. He's talking about leading the church. That's what he's talking about. So to shepherd a local church means, among other things, to lead the church in the way that God wants that church to go. And that's why, you know, the apostles in Acts chapter 6 give themselves to, to, to prayer and, and teaching the word. That's a primary responsibility for them to lead, to, to feed the church and to lead the church according to the word of God and according to the plan that God has set before us. And I read a story uh, last week about a group of Indian Army servicemen who set a new world record. And according to the, the story, these guys uh, built a, a, a platform, a small platform, on a 500cc motorcycle. And then they stacked, uh, somehow, 58 Indian Army servicemen on this little platform. 58 of them. And now the first two tries were, were a disaster, and they all fell down on top of each other. But on the third try, they were successful. 58 full-grown men on a little platform stacked on top of each other, on each other's shoulders. 58 of them. It's amazing what you can do when you work together to accomplish a task. And that's what the elders must do. They need to work together. And teamwork requires humility. And that's why Peter says in 1 Peter 5 that elders must shepherd the flock of God, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. There's a, that whole passage is flavored with humility. You can't do that. You can't work together. You can't lead together unless you're doing so with humility. Because ain't nobody going to follow you otherwise. They are to direct or govern or manage the flock of God with humility and tender loving care. So we also learn from other places in the New Testament that shepherds protect the flock too. A major responsibility for shepherds in first century Palestine was to protect the sheep from predators who would come, some at night, some at dusk, some at dawn, but they would come and try to, to uh, get a free lunch. In the New Testament church, the shepherd elders were to protect the flock of God from false teaching and bad theology. Have you noticed there's some bad theology out there floating around? And so Paul says to the elders at Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, beautiful passage, he says in verse 28, Keep watch over yourselves. He's talking to the elders. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. There's that word again. So the elders have oversight of the flock. Be shepherds of the church of God, he says, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. That's a little scary. 
But see, God has, there's a, there's a preventative measure that God has taken in the elders. That's why they need to be able to teach the Word of God. That's why they need to be sound in their own doctrine so they can protect the teaching and sound doctrine and theology of our church. And already, already in our, our very short history as, uh, as a church, we have, we've had to... Um, we've had to disinvite a few people who were bent on coming in here and spreading false doctrine. Just invite them to keep looking for a new church. <laughs> just, just keep on looking. <laughs> I, we don't think this is the place for you. Uh, Peter says, keep watch. Protect the sheep. Defend them if necessary. Don't let false teaching or bad theology get a foothold. Safeguard the church that Jesus bought with his own blood. It's worth protecting because Jesus bought it with his own blood. He paid a big price. So that's what shepherds do. They feed, they lead, they protect. And also, shepherds care for the flock. In other words, they help to meet the the practical needs that arise in our church and in the in addition to the familiar, very, very broad categories of, of feeding and leading and protecting, shepherd elders also bear the responsibility in the church for meeting the very practical, day-to-day, legitimate needs of the body of Christ. For example, James chapter 5 and verse 14 instructs the sick members of the flock to call the elders of the church to anoint them with oil, and to pray for those who are sick. Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. My phone rang yesterday afternoon at about quarter past twelve. The guy on the other end was crying, couldn't talk finally managed to say, Pastor, this is Jamie Legault. And I knew. That morning, Patty, his wife, had an appointment with the doctor. She'd found a lump. And the doctor confirmed that it was cancerous. And their family's here this morning. Jamie said, we'd we'd really like you to pray for us, Pastor. And I went back to my notes last last night and this morning. And I thought, you know, it's just not a coincidence that I had planned days ago to include James 5.14 as an example of how the elders of the church ought to care for the people of the church. It's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. And so I got back in touch with Jamie and I told him this series of events and I said, I don't think this is a coincidence. Would Patty be okay if we prayed for her right in the service? Like, right in the message? During the sermon? Because this is what the Bible says we ought to do. And so we should do it. And he said, yeah, Patty... Patty said that would be good and we'd love for you to pray for us. So, 
going to ask the Legault family if they would come. Now just come and stand here. We're going to ask the elders if they would come. Be the first ring around these folks, please. And we're going to pray. One of our elders already has a vial of oil. And we're going to pray for them. Anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. So we're getting the whole family. That's good. Where's Nathan? Is he coming? Okay. So come, stand here. Okay. Just stand a little bit ahead so we can kind of gather behind you. That would be great. And let's have a few of their friends come as well. We want the elders to, uh, to lead this time of, of anointing and prayer for us. But let's just gather around. Would you step out a little bit from the platform so people could get in behind you? Thank you. That's great. So the scripture says, come on, step in here, Dan. You've got the oil. Uh, scripture says that we ought to anoint uh, people with oil in the name of the Lord. And that passage goes on to say that the prayer of the righteous man avails much. And because we don't know whom God is choosing to work through in our prayers, several of us are going to pray. And that, that there might be one person whose righteous prayers availeth much. We're going to pray for healing in the name of Jesus. And we're going to leave the results to God. Because I can't predict, neither can you. We don't know what God is going to do in this very moment. So we're just being obedient. We're just being obedient to God's Word. As messy as it is, totally messes up my sermon. Not. Sorry, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just trying to say this is, this is the gooey stuff of doing life together. Okay? And... Uh, We're going to do it. So Jamie, we're going to anoint you with oil according to the Word of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. This oil is a symbol in the New Testament and other places of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to ask God to bring healing. So I'd like to lead us, but then I'd like to ask a couple of the other elders if they would also lead us in prayer. You might not be able to hear them because they're not mic'd, but just cry out to God with us. Would you please, Father, we come to you now in the name of Jesus. And we ask that you would literally open up the heavens and let the Spirit of God, the, the dove of heaven, to light upon this woman whom we love, Patty Legault. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you will do your work in her life right now. And in the name of Jesus, we want to pray for physical healing. Lord, we, we absolutely believe that you are the King of the universe, the Lord of the church, and our sovereign creator. And so we're coming to you just in obedience to James chapter 5, verse 14 through 16, in the word that you inspired. Lord, you wrote these words through the pen of the Apostle James. And so we're claiming this passage. We're asking you to do the work that only you can do now. And we're asking it in Jesus' name. 
Bring healing, Father. Bring healing, Lord Jesus. Bring healing, Holy Spirit. We ask this in the strong name of Jesus. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can meet together as your flock this morning. And thank you that you are our shepherd, that you lead us, that you guide us, that you protect us. We take the opportunity of this time just to pray for Patty and commit her to you. Pray that you would have your hand upon her, Father. And during these days, may she sense in a special way your presence with her, uh, your peace and your comfort. And Father, as she goes through difficult times, we just are reminded of the psalm. Yea, the white walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. We just commit Patty to you and ask for your care upon her at this time. In Jesus' name. Yes. Father, this is a very dear family of ours. And uh, Father, we lift our sister Patty up to you today and her entire family as well that's here supporting her. And, uh, Father, we, we just pray that you would give wisdom to her care team. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Father, extraordinary wisdom that they would understand and know how to deal with this. And, Father, we also pray for healing for her, mm-hmm. uh, complete healing, which we know that you can provide. And so, Father, we, we give her over to you, to your care. And we just ask that you would be all that she needs mm-hmm. and that you would be all that the family needs as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And we'll walk side by side with them on this path together. Amen. Amen. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So one of the ways that elders care for the flock of course, is to pray for healing. And we've, we've talked about that. We've done it. Another passage, the next verse that we're looking at this morning. Can we go to the next uh, slide, please? I don't have my notes, so I don't even know what it is. Could we have the next slide, please? Oh, that is the next slide. Okay, I missed one. My apologies. Paul exhorts the Ephesian elders in Acts 20 verse 35 to also care for the weak and needy. Yes, pray for the sick, but care for the weak and needy. That seems like a pretty wide river to me. The the weak and needy? I'm there. Anybody else? Yeah. So, these are... Pretty, these are very broad categories that the Word of God gives us and says, okay, elders are responsible for this. This is what you do. That's what shepherd elders do. They need to make sure that the practical needs of the flock were cared for. So I, I assure you that our elders council wants to do that. We've said from the get-go, when we started studying together a year ago, this is what we need to do. We need to look after our church. And we need to do it according to the Word of God. But we can't do it alone. And already our church at whatever, 250 people, is too large for five people to do that. And so, just like they did in the early church, 
we're going to do here, and we have done already. And in the early church, some of the needs that were delegated to others, like we see in Acts chapter 6. Let me just read quickly this passage for you. Uh, it says, But as the believers rapidly multiplied, and that doesn't mean they were having lots of babies, it means that more and more people were coming to Jesus, there were rumblings of discontent. As the believers were rapidly multiplying, there were rumblings of discontent. Imagine that. Rumblings of discontent in a local church. Who ever heard of such a thing? Never in a Christian church. Never. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. And so the twelve, the twelve apostles, um, called a meeting of all the believers. They said, okay, we apostles should spend our time teaching the Word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and we'll give them this responsibility. So then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the Word. So, many people, many New Testament scholars, many Bible scholars, see this, uh, this they see this as the establishment of a group of people, a group of servants, uh, known as Deacons. The word deacon doesn't appear here in Acts chapter 6, but this seems to be the seed passage uh, that gave birth to the diaconate, the, the deacons ministry in the local church. But we're going to talk about that next week. Uh, we're in this series called Who's the Boss? Last week we said Jesus is the head. This week elders are the shepherds. Next week deacons are the servants. And then the week after that we're, we're, we launch into a preaching through the whole book of Acts, all 28 chapters, called Church on Fire. Ho, ho, ho. I can't wait. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's, it's clear that the apostles delegated some of the practical work to other servants of God in the church so they could focus on these primary ministries of prayer and teaching the Word. So furthermore, if a biblical New Testament eldership is to, uh, is to function effectively in any local church and flourish in the church, it requires men who are firmly committed to living out the principles of discipleship, taking up their cross and dying daily to self and, and giving themselves to God. It's, that's required. And you can't do that if you're just coming to a board meeting once a week or once a month. Biblical eldership is also dependent on men who seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Matthew 6.33 Biblical eldership is, is dependent on, on men who are empty of self and full of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 And once a local church finds those men and appoints those men as, as elders, then the congregation, the flock of God, the rest of us have a responsibility to honor them. The Bible says so. And follow their leadership as they follow Jesus. The Bible says so. So the question, I guess the, one of the last questions I, I want to deal with this morning is, how, how are we supposed, how does the congregation, how does the flock of God, how are we supposed to respond to elders in the church? We're, we're new at this. We, we've just installed elders. Uh, although we had two paid elders previously, uh, Phil Sieben Morgan, Garth Lino, now we have three more, so we have a council of five. How are we supposed to respond to the feeding, leading, uh, protecting, and caring of the elders? Well, have a look at Hebrews 13, 17. Gulp. Obey your leaders and submit to them, 
For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Hmm. That's a sobering verse. Uh, the, the assumption, I believe, the assumption with which this writer of Hebrews is operating, when he talks about leaders, he's talking about uh, biblically functioning leaders who are feeding, leading, protecting, and caring the, for the sheep according to the New Testament directives. And if, if a biblical eldership is functioning in a local church, then the author of Hebrews says, hey, you need to follow their lead. These are the spiritual leaders in the church. You can check it out in other translations if you like. Uh, and you, you, you might want to scour different translations that might give you a little different idea. Or soften the tone a little bit. <laughs> But I suspect that every translation you look at will have a similar feeling to it. So let me go to the New International Version of this verse, where it says, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you as, one, as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. So we have a responsibility to respond to the biblically directed, biblically anointed, biblically installed eldership of our church. And if these men are following Jesus, we need to follow their example. That's what the Bible says. Like it or not, that's, that's what we're supposed to do. Assuming, and I, I really believe, with all my heart, that there's this underlying assumption as the writer of Hebrews takes pen to parchment and writes these words that he's talking about men who are leading and feeding and protecting and caring for the church as Jesus himself would care for it. Because another term to describe elders is to call them under-shepherds. Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep. Amen? Amen? And all the elders do is under-shepherd. They, they take their directive, or at least they're supposed to, take their directive from the shepherd so they can then shepherd sheep in various locations. And I can only speak for myself as an elder and pastor at the gathering, but my work here is a joy. It's a joy, and it's not a burden. And even though I'm the only one up here this morning, I think uh, the other elders would say the same thing. I think they would echo what I'm saying. That it's a joy to serve you. It's, it's a blessing to serve you. Most days. <laughs> it, 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 it really is. And I, I sense your confidence. And I sense your trust. And nothing drives me to my knees faster uh, than when people say to me, Pastor, I trust you. Just do what you think is right. <gasps> okay, I need to make sure this is right then. I need to make sure this is God. And I sense your confidence. I sense your trust. And I can only urge you to offer the same sort of support and encouragement uh, to the other elders in our church in the, in the days ahead so that, so that you will benefit and our work, our ministry, will be a joy, not a burden. And it hasn't been a burden. It hasn't become a burden. 
Hope it never does. Instead, we get the, we get the pure joy of, of praying for people like Patty this morning. What a joy. And, and, and the hope that floods my heart and soul when we do things like that. I mean, I, I, I don't know, Patty, what God will do. But we're going to trust Him, right? My God can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I think that's one of the verses you're clinging to these days. So thank you. Thank you for your response to the fledgling leadership in our church. Um, I praise God for you. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to you this morning for the work of the Holy Spirit in our midst. We thank you, Jesus, for the gifts of repentance and faith and for the grace to believe in the gospel. Thank you for the grace to believe scripture texts like James 5.14. Every single day that we walk with you in the word, Lord Jesus, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to make it real and to help us apply what we're learning to our daily lives. And so, Father, today we spoke about biblical eldership and the need to follow the example and, and follow the, the elders and submit to their spiritual authority as they submit to Christ. You called us to have confidence in their ministry and, and to surrender to God and as they lead with humility. Lord, Your will for our lives and for our church is supremely important to us. No matter what the cost, we will follow. No matter what the cost... We will follow you. And I pray that you would prevent the eldership of this church to never, ever, 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 ever go back to being a board of executives or chief executive officers or consultants. I hope we never, ever see that happen at the gathering. But that these elders would, would continually, sacrificially give themselves to shepherding the sheep in this place called the gathering. So come, Holy Spirit of God, mold us, make us more like Jesus. We want to see Jesus. We want to live like Jesus. We want to love like Jesus because He is worth it all. And everything we need, we can find in Him. So this we pray this morning in the high and holy name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen and amen.